I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the very first book in your Bible, the Old Testament book of Genesis. And we're going to be looking at chapters 6, 7, and 8 today in a message that I have titled, Living in Chaos. There's so many aspects of our life right now that are unknown. We don't know when the kids are going to be able to go back to school. We don't know when we're going to be able to go back to work. We don't know, we don't, we don't know if there's going to be college football this season. We don't know if we're going to be able to see the family on Christmas this year. It's as if everything that we knew has been taken away from us and replaced with nothing. Like, the, the answers that we used to have to life's questions, they're simply not there. There's questions, and we're living in this time of unknown. It, it's, it's just questions, and sometimes it seems like there's just no answers. And understandably, this creates a massive amount of discomfort in our, in our minds. We like having answers. We like knowing. Christians find comfort and we find confidence in knowing that our eternity is secure with Christ. And, and, and that is guaranteed. For Christians, that is a known. For others, eternity is simply an unknown. Before Christ, it's, it, it, there's this, I wonder. For Christians, there's no more wonder. It is a known. It's salvation. Salvation requires faith, and faith, by, by definition, it's trust in the unknown. It, it's, you, have to, you have to believe it. it. It takes more than simply answers out of a book. If we knew... It wouldn't be faith. It would, it would be trust. It would be just having all of the answers. We don't have all of the answers. In our world right now, our faith is it's being tested. Our trust is being tested. Our relationships are being tested. There, there is no known anymore. There's so much unknown. If there seems to be plenty of anything right now in the world that we live in, it's an abundance of questions with simply no answers. Some of us are experiencing this for the very first time, this worldwide trauma. And, and there's, there's people who have been through similar situations, maybe older generations that have been through wars and have been through times when the entire world just seemed to be collapsing. But for, for many, this is the very first time that something like this is happening. The rules are unknown. We, we don't know who to trust. The media, media lies and the, the politicians fight and the internet goes crazy. There's just so much unknown right now. Over the next five weeks, we're going to dive into a brand new sermon series called Known in the Unknown. And we're actually going to look at our current situation in our world. And then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of the very first narratives in the Bible. And we're going to find that 
The situation we're going through right now is nothing new. That we're not the first ones. That many people have been through these types of circumstances. We're going to be looking at five Old Testament stories. And we're going to find the known in the unknown. This morning we're going to go all the way back to a to a man who lived in the unknown, putting his faith in the one who is known. You want to talk about faith. Noah had faith, big faith. If, if, if you think that, that we live in a world of chaos, that you don't know Noah, th- this man had nothing but questions, and really he had no answers. I want you to join me in Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse number 8. We have quite a bit of content that we're going to read this morning. And so we'll have up on the, uh, up on the big screen, we'll have some verses there. If you have your Bible open, we're in Genesis chapter 6. I'm in verse number 8. But Noah found favor in the Lord. I'm moving to verse number 11. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. If you and I were Noah, it would be so understandable to look up at the sky and just start talking to God. So you're like, okay, say that again? You want me to do what? Um, Where am I going to get that much wood? I'm not an architect, but this sounds like a pretty big vessel, right? Um, do we need life jackets? Is this, a, is this a union job? Is this thing really going to float? See, there's so many questions. Point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, I know in the chat room, Leanne is going to be posting this, but uh, also on the website, there's an updated sheet for your sermon notes. Point number one in your notes is this. You have questions. God has all the answers. Noah and his family certainly had questions. Just like, you and I, they were about to experience something that they had never experienced before. Would it be fair to say you and I, living through COVID-19, are living through a time that we've never lived through before? There are so many questions. There were no case studies on global floods that Noah could go back and read and get some info on. There were no past news footage um, uh, shows that he could go back and and get some information from. But just because Noah and his family didn't have the answers, it doesn't mean that they could defy God's commands. See, you got to remember, Noah is about 600 years old right now. And I think that we could assume Noah knows a few things. He's been around for a minute. Just a few verses before this, God called Noah righteous. He said he's a righteous man. You don't become 
righteous simply by being. No, Christians train in righteousness. That's what we see in the New, the New Testament. We train by spending quality time with God to grow in our righteousness. There is no righteousness aside from God. So for God to call Noah righteous tells us that Noah has spent plenty of time with God. The, the, the chapter actually says that Noah has walked with God. They were close. They were intimate. We don't become righteous if we don't spend time with God. Our Christian walk is kind of like our school days. I want you to think about the time that you were in kindergarten, or maybe you know some kindergartners, or there's some kids in your family, that when you first come to Christ, you're going to learn some very basic, relevant facts about Christianity. Just like a kindergartner might start making sounds, uh, uh, consonants and vowels, and you're going to start hearing Bible names like, Barnabas and Samson and Goliath, names that you don't hear anymore. And you're going to start having questions like, are the disciples and the apostles the same people? So we're going to get the basics. And after you start spending more time with God in prayer and in the Bible, then, then you start learning more. Maybe you're spending more time at church. Now we're in like the first, second, or third grade. We're starting to grow in our understanding, right? And then we start to realize being in school, that being around other students, this is really important. Being in a culture of people who are doing the same thing that you and I are doing, coming closer to Christ, that brings more education. And it leads us towards righteousness because we are learning, we are training in the faith. Maybe when you get to high school in your spiritual walk, maybe you start dating. You start coming closer, really close to other people who are going along this same road with you. You know what that's called? That's called evangelizing. That means that you're creating deep, personal relationships with others who you care about so much that you want to be with them forever. You want them to know about Jesus. That's when we're telling other people and we're having that, that bond with others. There's some people who are going to get to their freshman and sophomore year and they're going to drop out. They're going to give up. Maybe they don't have anyone pushing them or having anyone pulling them. They don't, have, they don't have a teacher that is there for them and calling them and saying, hey, you know what, you, you missed this assignment. You know, I, I really want you to come in for some tutoring. Maybe there's nobody and they just lose interest. They drop out. They quit. See, when we drop out of school, when we find ourselves drifting away from Jesus, we stunt our growth and training in righteousness. We know what stunted growth can do. We know what stunted growth can do to, to people physically if we're not growing. Maybe children emotionally are stunted in growth. That means we're not, we're not moving, we're not training, we're not growing. See, by Noah's measurement, this was going to be a huge boat 
Just uh, the massive vessel that's never been constructed like this. It is a project that is enormous inside, but by God's measurement, it was like a leaf floating on the ocean. Contrary to popular belief, the ark didn't really look like a boat. Certainly didn't look like a beautiful, luxurious yacht. And it may not have even been the shape of a, of a boat. Probably we're going to see something more like a, more like a rectangle that uh, may have been about four and a half stories high. And you've got 75 feet wide. And it's just this long, just wood structure. And there's people who are going to live in there. And I'm sure that the people who lived nearby Noah as he was building this, you know, down the street, and for years, they've, as they've gone to check their mail, they, they see Noah over here just with his mallet driving wooden nails into some other wood, and you just kind of scratch your head, and, and, and you have no clue what this crazy guy is doing. See, they have no faith. The people may have had questions for Noah. What's this thing you're building? Why are you building that? Are you, are you really crazy? Watch my finger. Well, Noah, Noah, guy with the long beard, crazy man. They may have asked Noah so many questions trying to understand, trying to know why. But you know what? They didn't get the answers from Noah. You know why? Because Noah himself really didn't have many answers. Here's the truth. As Christians, you will never have all the answers, but your God does. You're never going to be able to answer everyone's question. They're going to come up to you and ask you a Bible question. And I get it. You're not going to know every answer. You're not going to know the answer to coronavirus, but your God does. I want you to see this. Noah, he starts building with questions, but very few answers. And then he gets more direction. Come back with me into Genesis. We're in chapter 6, verse number 17. God says this, Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife, and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Strange commands, again, lots of questions, not a lot of answers. Point number two in your notes is this. Sometimes we have to move forward into the unknown. Sometimes we're not going to know where we're going. We're following. We're going to have to move forward. Not only is, is Noah on this expedition that God is sending him on that sounds crazy, now it's getting even crazier, but Noah is still following. 
And it would be a legitimate argument that Noah really had no clue what God was going to do until God finished his work. Noah didn't know that he was going to end up letting a dove out of the window in a few months. But knowing was not Noah's concern. Noah's concern was obedience. And when God told him to start putting animals on the ark, Noah, he never asked why. He just did it. It's one thing to live in the unknown, but it's another thing to move forward. There are some people who are really good at freezing up when the situation gets tense. Maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you are somebody like that. You struggle with, with ambiguity, with, with not knowing all the answers. Maybe you're somebody who likes to, to fully be in control and always know what and always know why. You and I can't stop the clock. We can't stop aging. We can't stop our kids from, from growing because of a pandemic, they still need to grow and they still need us to give them an education. We can't stop providing for our families just because there is, is a virus going around. We can't stop meeting our responsibilities just because we are living in chaos. If we freeze, nothing gets done. We must move forward. At the moment, that Noah was standing at this big ramp of the ark. He's looking out over all of these animals that are in a line, just getting ready to walk into this, this ark two by two. It would be understandable if Noah said, God, I'm overwhelmed. For him just to freeze up, it would really be understandable if, if, if he went and found a dark corner of the ark and he just crawled into a ball and started crying. Maybe, maybe his wife is still scratching her head at this moment, wondering why her husband is putting all of these animals onto a boat that he has just spent years building, and the only thing that he could tell her is, God told me to. Because God told me to. Wives, let me ask you a question. How many of you, if your husband came home one day, in his old age, let's say he's 80, 85, okay? In his old age, he comes to you one day, and he says, hey, uh, God's told me that there's this big project that I need to get working on out in the backyard, and I'm going to, that I have to build uh, an ark that, I'm going to put animals in, inside, and we're going to float because there's going to be a flood. Now, in your house, your husband just came to you and said that. You would probably say your husband is a little bit crazy, right? Chances are you're looking for your insurance card to get the very next appointment with mental health, right? You're looking for answers because this is not right. Now, this isn't a sermon about crazy husbands. We're going to have that sermon a little bit later on in the year. But this is a, it's about being in a position of total chaos without any understanding of what's happening, without any understanding of why it's happening, 
when it's going to stop, what this is for, but still moving forward. See, we see this all throughout the Bible. People who trust God and follow God's instructions to do things that don't make any sense at all. But they still move forward. Because if they don't move, things stop. Nothing happens if they don't follow God's instructions. The Israelites were camped on the east side of the Jordan. And they were about to make their move into the promised land. They were going to cross the river Jordan. And then God told them this. God said, okay, I want you to go across. Uh, Jericho's over there. I want you to take the ark and the priests. I just want you to walk around the town and then go back to camp. And then I want you to do that again tomorrow. I want you to do that for six days. Just go out there like a parade, quietly walk around the town. And then on the seventh day, this is what I want you to do. I want you and the priests in the ark, I want you to walk around those walls seven times and then blow on a horn and the walls are going to come down. Just like that. Wouldn't it be fair to say the Israelites, they've probably seen massive walls before. They've never seen a wall fall down just because a bunch of guys walked around it and blew a horn, right? I mean, would it be that easy? But here are the Israelites that move because they're told to do something. And think about it. They are they're moving on pure faith. They are moving on pure obedience. Imagine if they hadn't moved. Imagine if they had had just looked at it and said, you know what, okay, we just got God's instructions and he says to just go walk around this, uh, this wall and we're going to blow on this ram's horn and it's all going to fall down. That's crazy. We're not going to do it. They're over there on the east side of the Jordan and on the west side in the promised land, there's Canaanite tribes over here. If the Israelites hadn't moved, they'd been sitting, sitting ducks. They, they, seriously, they could have been killed if they would have just stayed there. Other tribes around them could have overtaken them. See, they move forward being obedient to God and moving forward in God's plan. I know that there are a lot of unknowns in your life right now. And even knowing that God has all of the answers... It's reassurance, but it doesn't give us all of the answers. But we still need to move. We still need to move forward in the midst of chaos. What if during this pandemic, what if the church just froze? What if we got scared and we just froze up, we waved our hands in the air and we said, this is too much for me, I can't do this anymore. And the church went and found a dark corner, crawled up in a ball and started to cry. See, individually, you have a job to do and your job does not stop and it has not changed just because of a pandemic. 
The church's job has not changed just because of a pandemic. You still must bring your family to Christ. The Great Commission cannot be rescheduled. The church cannot freeze. We must move forward and do our work. If Noah would have stopped, I want you to think about this. If Noah would have stopped when those animals are on the ramp, if he would have froze, those animals in line to get into the ark, as soon as the rains came, all of those animals would die. The door to the ark is open right now. Noah's frozen up, right? All of the floodwaters would go into the ark, and all of those animals would die. All of Noah's family would die. See, if Noah were to freeze up and stop, all of his work would be destroyed. If you and I freeze up and stop, all of the work that you have been putting into your one, that one person that you've been, you've been praying about to lead him to Christ, if you freeze up, your work is now destroyed. You can't stop. The Great Commission cannot be rescheduled. We work now. Church, the same happens, the same consequence happens spiritually if we freeze up. It happens in your life if you freeze up and you say, you know what? If I don't check into Bible study on Zoom on Monday night, nobody's going to know. It's okay if I'm not there. Out of sight, out of mind. It's cool. This happens with your family when you, when, when, when you stop teaching them. When you stop telling them, all, your kids already are not going to school. They haven't been in school since spring break. They're not going to go back in front of a teacher. And what that also means is that the church, we can't provide Sunday school for your kids right now. Your kids are, there's a deep void in their life of discussion about Jesus. We need to fill that because the school district's not going to fill it. We are going to work to, to try as a church to fill it. Moms and dads, you have to fill this. If you freeze, all the work that you have done with your kids is destroyed. If we're going to move forward, we need a plan. God laid out a plan. He laid out a plan for Noah. And he was pretty specific with this plan. He has the answers, but he didn't give Noah all of the answers. He just gave him instructions. Come back with me. We're in Genesis chapter 7 now, verse number 5. says that Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. Verse 7, he went on board the boat to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives, with them were all the various kinds of animals. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded after seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. When Noah was 600 years old, all of the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky. The rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. That very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons. 
With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with the birds of every kind. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. For forty days the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth. All the living things on earth died. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. Here's point number three in your notes this morning. The Lord provides for those who follow His instructions. See, before God gave Noah instructions, God knew what He was going to do. He knew the end of the story. And He also knew what He needed to provide Noah in order for Noah to do his job. God couldn't require Noah to build an ark and give him no wood. He didn't live in a desert. He didn't build it out of cactus. He built it out of wood. There was wood around where he was building the ark. God provided, here's his instructions, here's his provision. Do you, do you think that, that God knew that Noah would wonder? Like, why is this happening? Why, why me? Yeah, God knew that. Do you, do you think that that God knew that Noah would need food on the trip? God knew that. So God told Noah, go and get some animals. These animals you're going to eat on your trip. You think God knew that the animals were going to need food? Yeah, he told Noah, you need to get plenty of food for those animals because they're going to need to eat too. See, these are things that, that Noah's not thinking about. He's following the instructions, but he's seeing that God has a plan. Noah doesn't have all of the answers, but God is providing what is needed to accomplish his job and his goal. I want you to see this about obedience. This is, this is uh, Moses talking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep his commandments that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above the nations of the world, and you will experience all the blessings if you obey the Lord your God. See, God isn't going to give you instructions and then void the tools that you need. There is a deep, deep passion for obedience that God, God is asking of us. Can we ask why? Yeah, we can ask why. Ask why here. But trust. Have faith. God knows what He's doing. We don't have all of the answers. We never will have all of the answers. And it's okay not to have all of the answers. It's okay to live in chaos. Because God has all the answers. I want you to see next in Genesis chapter 8. Verse number 8 reads like this, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. So the floodwaters gradually receded from the earth. After 150 days, the boat came to a rest. 
After another 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the boat and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the floodwaters on the earth had dried up. He also released a dove to see if the water had receded and, and it could fly, find dry ground. But the dove couldn't find, could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat. And Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days and then released the dove again. This time, it did not come back. Noah was now 601 years old. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you. Release all the animals so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. And then Noah built an altar to the Lord. We're going to move a couple of chapters in your Bible because I want you to see something that is so important. We're going to Genesis chapter 9, verse number 12. And then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant. Remember, a covenant is a promise or a vow. Okay? It is the sign of my promise with you and all of the earth that when I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds and I will remember my promise, my covenant, my vow with you and with all living creatures and never again will floodwaters destroy all life. Here's the fourth and final point in your notes this morning. God always keeps His promises. God always keeps His promises. I don't know all of the details of your life. I don't know what's going on in your family and your friends and, and with your kids and, and with your, your quarantine time. I don't know all of the details of that, but I do know this. God has never lied to you. He has never made you a promise that He hasn't kept. Every promise that He has made to you and to His children he has kept every single one. God always keeps His promises. Watch this from John chapter 16, verse number 33. Jesus says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, you're not alone. It's okay to live in the unknown. But I want you to remember what is known. God has all the answers. Sometimes we have to move forward into the unknown. God's going to keep His promises. And He promises to provide for those who follow His instructions. 
He's not going to lead you somewhere without the tools to do your job. You're not the first one to be asked to move forward without knowing where you're going. We are not the first church that has been silenced in a general sense. We are not the first church to lose our building. We're not the first church to have to go online and underground. We're not the first church. There are churches, even right now in other places, in other parts of the world, that meet at night out in the woods so that they could worship God and not be killed. You go back through history, and there are churches and Christians who have met in private. We're not the first one. This is not our challenge. Our challenge is not to fight this and and to, to get all of our people back in the seats. That's not our challenge. Our job is obedience. Our job is to continue to tell people about Jesus. And we do that in whatever way is possible. This is the way right now that is possible. Let me ask you this. Are you using everything at your disposal to the best of your abilities to tell others about Jesus? I wonder if you can invite somebody here next week. Paris.online.church. I wonder if maybe you could take that URL and put it on your Facebook page. Maybe you could send it out as a text. Who are you inviting? See, we have to continue to move forward. We cannot freeze. And I want you to know something else. This is not going to be the last time that you are going to live in chaos. It's going to happen again. Eventually, there's going to be a vaccine, or we're going to get the all clear to go back to life somewhat normal. But it will happen again. The command is huge. Our job is massive. The questions are plenty. The answers are few. But it's not our job to have all of the answers. It's just our job to do our job. I'm praying that this week you remember with me what our job is and you look at your disposal at the tools that God has given you to do your job. And I ask, are we using the tools in the best way possible to finish the job? There's a tool in front of you. We might not know why we are building an ark, but it's not our job to know why. It's just our job to build an ark. Let's pray.